Welcome to AI Parenting Live, where we show you how to disrupt the invisible forces that control your family today. Our tagline is "Don't sedate, relate to create." Now,、uh, many of you are new, so I'd like to wish you a really warm welcome.、Uh, we're a community of parents. That are transforming how we approach screen time, especially today, with lockdown, with the kids spending more time on screens than ever. I think it's really, really important that we are able to get together and talk about these types of issues today. Now, if this is your first time, today we are going to focus on. The machine, the machine that tailors the videos that we watch, and the social media feeds that occupy both our time and our minds.、Um, so sometimes, like people think that there's this intelligence that、uh, tailors our social media feeds and all the videos that our kids watch on YouTube Kids. Um, similar to the Wizard of Oz, we think that there's this man behind the curtain making artificially intelligent decisions. But in reality, AI behaves more like the automatic decisions of our unconscious mind. Now we're going to learn how screen time today. Is different from when we watch TV as kids.、Uh, title of this: Who created our artificial unconsciousness, or our artificial unconscious? And so this is the the first of a, a, a series of these. But I wanted to start with: Who made it? Who is the creator of our artificial unconscious? That's the the topic that we're going to be covering today. I don't have very many slides. I only have like three main. If you think about like most、um, most of my live presentations are going to be three. <laughs> They're going to be like three main points and and then like time for your questions. Now, who created it? Not only who created this new artificial unconscious, but what can we do about it? So there are. Three main reasons that I'm going to explore, and I'm going to run them through one one by one.、Uh, but so far, I think the thing that I am a little bit concerned about is the the term unconscious. What do we mean by unconscious?、Um, and so, really, I'm going to talk a little bit about、um, this notion of the unconscious mind, and it's similar to、uh, if you think about. Sigmund Freud, he referred to our mind kind of like this iceberg, where there's only a little bit above the surface that we really pay attention to, but the vast majority of our thinking is under the water. It's deep. It's dark. It's un not understood, and that is the focus of the unconscious. And yes, if you under just as you if you understand your unconscious mind. Better, you will have more control over your own life. In the same way, if you understand your digital unconscious, the artificial unconscious, or how artificial intelligence kind of acts like an unconscious, you will have a lot more control over the screen time, 
that your kids watch. You have a lot more control over the social media feeds and what happens to you. And so this is one of the things that I'm actually quite excited about. I'm looking forward to it's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to sharing this with all of you. <laughs> so the first one that I want to refer to, and, and this is important, is where does it come from? Let's start off with public public reactions to AI creepiness. So a lot of the reasons why like AI has been around for ages it didn't have to to be under the surface. It didn't have to be hidden. But if you look at what happened with people's reactions to artificial intelligence, you will see that like people found it really creepy when they could see what was actually happening with AI. So AI had no choice but to move underground. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, fantastic. Now, I'm going to tell you, uh, if it's okay with you, I'm going to tell you a story to begin with. Um, I I really love stories, and that's usually how I want a lot of our sessions together to to begin with. Uh, Is it okay that I I put a story uh, as the first one? Yes? Okay, cool. (laughs) Thank you. So, an enraged father storms in to Target's customer service, and he demands to speak with the manager about a flyer that's clenched in his fist. This flyer was addressed to his daughter. You're sending her coupons for baby clothes and cribs, he yelled. Are you trying to get her pregnant? Well, I mean, this this customer service rep... I promised to to raise the issue with the manager and when he arrived that afternoon. And guess what? Sure enough, there were pictures of maternity clothing, vitamins, and pictures of smiling infants in this crumpled flyer. The manager looked at it. He at a later time the manager looked at it. He took a deep breath and he called the father. To apologize, it's like, I'm sorry, I don't know why this is happening. And the father responded, you know, um, I'm sorry. I had a talk with my daughter. Uh, it turns out that there's been some activities in my house that I haven't been completely aware of. Her baby's due in August. I owe you an apology. Now, many of you have heard this story already. But it's important for two reasons. First, it shows how it is way easier to hide information from your family than it is to hide from an AI or a computer. You know, parents these days are going to have less information about our own children's activities than ever. It's uncomfortable to admit that Netflix or Disney Plus and YouTube kids knows more about your child's interests than you do. It's not comfortable. No, not at all. Right? Like, this is, this is uh, something that is becoming a reality these days. The second important point is that rather than changing their creepy behavior, 
And let, let's be honest, like that's pretty creepy. Like Target going in and it's looking at your buying habits and then it's trying to figure out whether or not you're pregnant. That's pretty creepy. You know what Target did? They simply changed the way that they showed pregnancy related ads. So what they do now is they, they mix coupons for baby cribs along with other household items that reduces your suspicion from these eagle-eyed parents. In other words, they decided to stop the creepiness, but not the creeping. They decided to stop the creepiness, but not the creeping. That creeping still happens today. That creeping still happens on every single platform out there. Ah, good question. Sam asked this question. What do I base this on? So a lot of this information, um, Sam, that's a great question. I appreciate your, your question. I, I love answering them live. So this Information for me, actually, it doesn't originate from me. I'm actually um, quoting actually a New York Times article of what actually happened. And you'll see, I, I think this is the key, you'll see countless examples of creepiness. It is actually one of the reasons why um, they had to decide to take AI and move it below the surface and, and out of sight. You know, nobody wants a peeping Tom lurking into every single aspect of their lives. So it's better to make it seem like AI decisions are like convenient coincidences and not deliberate decisions. The added benefit is that even if the prediction is wrong, for the most part, like let's say AI predicts the wrong thing, like you, you'd be none the wiser. You'd have no idea. Now, um, Sam asked this further, like, are you an insider? Actually, this is, this is specifically why I'm mentioning this, because I deal with this in several different areas. Not only am I um, not only do I understand like the computer science part behind artificial intelligence and how it works, because that's where the PhD comes from. But also, I'm one of those people who writes those ads. I am an insider. Uh, I'm the one who is doing the manipulating. In fact, I'm the one of the people who's guilty of this, actually. Uh, I understand these algorithms quite well because that's what I do. <laughs> Ad buying. Right. And what we are trying to do in the digital marketing space uh, is actually the area that I've been working in for the last 10 years. Um, actually, I would encourage you uh, to take a look at some of the work that I have done specifically in this area. And it's one of the reasons why and I think this is a good question all the time. It's like, who are you and, and why are you qualified to talk about this? You know, um, having worked in this area uh, for many, many years, uh, I mentioned during my last live stream, and you, you may have missed it, Sam, uh, was that I 
you know, I was uh, somebody who hated school, um, ended up, you know, doing this this PhD in computer science, and I got an early exposure uh, to artificial intelligence. What happens at scale with a, a YouTube video, let's say that went viral, I think 12, 12 to 14 years ago, super early days. And I start to understand, hey, there's all these things happening with AI. And I noticed a lot of parents that are very concerned about what's happening, but they don't see things from the perspective that I have with my background. And having done some of the ads, some of the marketing myself and learning about copywriting and what we're trying to target with respect to ads has given me some definitely some inside insights. And so that's my my goal is to show you. Um, Sam also asks, how do we know we are being manipulated? Ah, very good question. I will show you how. It's coming. It's coming. Um, and one of the reasons I want to, I want to start with this. I want to start with this section first about the three different areas, because once you understand this, you will have a much better sense of when you're being manipulated. You will have a you have a much better understanding. Now, this is the key. So the first is people got creeped out when they found out. So we had to move it underground. So existing regulation has to focus on like notifying or requiring consent. And so what they you see this all the time, like. How do we know we're being manipulated? You, you see it all the time in a cookie request, right? This like our site uses cookies and you have to accept. You have, if you say, no, I don't accept to use cookies. What happens? You can't use the site at all. You can't use the site at all. And so we, that's the, the extent of regulation today um, for the GDPR and, and many other regions. They require consent rather than the stopping of the track, tracking altogether. Um, they, they basically like they grant you're granting the companies specific rights to your data uh, whenever you use them. Uh, like I mentioned, like these sites require that we agree to using cookies, even if we don't even know what that is or how it works. It doesn't matter. That said, like imagine this visual of a delicious treat that you're going to regret later. Um, it's actually uh, quite, quite appropriate for cookies. Um, but you want to know how you're being manipulated? Like you see cookies, you, you probably, that, that's probably happening right now. You're tracked all the time. You agree to it every time you say, yep, I accept cookies. Uh, tracking notifications work actually the same way. So uh, com companies do are not required by law to actually offer you the service if you do not agree to be tracked. So everybody feels like, wow, this is essential. Like, I have to do it. N not technically. Like, people could offer stuff without the requirement to be tracked. Uh, but if you really want to see what a non-marketing sponsored Internet is, just say no to every cookie tracking request. Um, and I, I'll go into cookies as well. Cookies is quite interesting. Like you can, you can see the data that's restored in each one. Um, you'll find that, and I've tried this myself as a, a, a privacy, uh, officer uh, within a company that many sites, they won't show you anything. 
unless you reluctantly agree to be tracked. Don't we have legal rights to help us? <laughs> ah, I love, I love your thinking, Sam. This is fantastic. I do appreciate that because that's exactly my next point. So the number two, the second category that I'm going to be referring to is called limited political or potential liability. And this has to do with your legal rights. This has to do with the law. This has to do with everything. So one of the reasons why AI is the way that it is today is exactly, precisely because of this extremely limited potential liability by companies. So let me, let me show you what I mean. All right. So do you guys remember the, um, the wolf of Wall Street? Um, Jordan Belfort's company, Stratton Oakmont, was found guilty of fraud related to an initial public offering. In reality, this happened. Like they were, in fact, caught um, with fraud related to their IPO. We know this is a fact. Um, this, in fact, the the same company, Stratton Oakmont, sued their internet provider um, and a new service called Prodigy. So Prodigy was the new service in 1994 uh, because they posted this article that claimed that Stratton Oakmont committed criminal and fraudulent acts in connection with the initial public offering of their stocks. <laughs> Do you have any good stock tips? Oh man, Stratton Oakmont, it's going through the roof. <laughs> no, don't don't invest in them. <laughs> uh, you know, the reality is uh, Prodigy, um, they fired back at Stratton Oakmont saying that they should not be liable for content that's posted by their users since a similar case had been dismissed by CompuServe four years earlier, claiming that companies could not be liable for the content posted by the, look, if a, 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 you know, somebody posts something, I can't be liable for that on the internet. That's ridiculous. Like, how can I run a business like that? This particular case, which is very interesting, went all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court, where they made a decision that Prodigy was liable. They did. They were liable for the content that was created by its users because it exercised this editorial control over the messages by uh, posting things like content guidelines. They enforced those guidelines and they used some screening software. So get this. This company, Prodigy, decides, hey, you know what? I'm going to add a little bit more information. I'm going to like double check that it's like meeting the guidelines. I'm going to enforce them. And you know what? I'm going to put some software in there just to make sure that there isn't like something really, really bad there. They got sued. And that court, they lost in the U.S. Supreme Court. So you can imagine how the CEO of Prodigy is feeling at this point. He's like, this is ridiculous. I did things to protect people and now I'm liable because I tried to edit it. Yes, you are. Uh, and so this meant that putting more effort into moderation 
could mean more liability for a company, <laughs> right? So this is really strong incentive for companies to minimize the amount of content moderation uh, that they do to the the absolute bare minimum to meet with the law. All right, it's like anything above and beyond because that is exactly what Prodigy did. Do not make that mistake. You're going to lose in the U.S. Supreme Court. So, uh, question from Sam: So why isn't Twitter responsible? Calling bullshit here. I love it. I love it. I, I love your skepticism because you know this. This is what this is all about. So, this type of responsibility, you see how quickly and how differently it was. Re- it responded while Trump was in power and after, like near the end of his term. How quickly these companies, these tech companies, changed. Why? Well, all of this is due to um, something that uh, Trump himself has referred to. He threatened. This is what he he's been threatening for some time, and it's in relation to something called Section 230. And when you understand this, you'll start to understand like uh, what what is Twitter's actually actual responsibility. You see, after this Supreme Court decision, um, obviously a lot of U.S. Congress, um, the U.S. Congress got very concerned about this. In fact, oh hey Alice, good to see you.、Uh, thanks for joining. Yeah, no worries, no worries. I'm I'm glad you're able to join us. <laughs> so, the United States Congress, they they saw this decision and they're like, this is really crazy. This is going to kill the internet, right? Like, if every company could be liable for anything that they're、um, that that anybody posts on their website. If they could be liable for this, we are at a a huge, huge risk. And so the United States Congress overruled this decision when they passed something called the Communications Decency Act in 1996, which includes the now famous 26 words in Section 230 that created the internet content world that our families experience. Every single day, and those twenty-six words are this: No provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. That is it. Twenty-six words. Twenty-six words. And they said, you know what? When you are saying anything, you're a user of any, or you're or, like no provider or user. You'll never be treated as a publisher. You're not. We're not publishers. We're just like a bookshelf. You know, like you, you guys have the books. Other people publish it. We're not the publisher. We're not responsible. <laughs> uh, Sam uh, on Periscope is saying, yeah, but Twitter's censoring us. They don't qualify for two、uh, thirty. Actually, they do,、uh, unless the the law changes.、Uh, and by the way, Twitter censoring you、uh, is completely within their control. In fact, because of some of the the rules around this,、uh, Twitter you can think of it not as a democracy. Their their job is not 
Twitter's job is not to be fair and allow everyone freedom of speech.、Uh, those those kinds of rights and rules do not apply、uh, to the online domain.、Uh, and one of the reasons is like, well, what's going to happen if you do it? Are you going to sue them? You can't. Why not? Because of Section 230. Because they did not make the content, and they are not responsible for any of it.、Uh, they cannot be held liable for it. In fact,、uh, the legislation, along with the Digital Millennium Copyright Act of 1998, provided this safe harbor for internet services to act as content libraries without the fear of being liable for the content that was provided. So I don't care what people put on Twitter. I don't care what people put on Facebook or other platforms. I am not liable. I have a safe harbor. Harbor it means like you can't sue me. Sorry. You know what this also allowed was for AI. So this is this is key because it relates to AI. It allowed for artificial intelligences to make decisions about which advertisements to show you without any human intervention. Uh, so this limited critical thinking of computers, and, and you'll see this over and over again with artificial intelligence.、Uh, it means that sometimes bad posts slip through the cracks, and like in fact, like we're kind of designing a system where there's going to be bad posts, and we know that those things are going to happen, and we're not going to do anything about about it because we don't want to be the next prodigy. And in the end. Uh, these companies are not liable for the content that is posted. They are not liable for things that they take down. This is not how this game works. They they are in a、uh, in a world with next to no liability.、Uh, and when I <laughs> uh, let's see, what Sam says, once they censor someone, they are a publisher. Ha <laughs> ha! That would be a great law to write, Sam. You know, I think. You have great potential <laughs> as a lawmaker because we would love for that level of、uh, content liability. But remember what you said here: once they censor an individual, then they become a publisher. That's very similar to the Prodigy ruling, right? So Prodigy was censoring people, and therefore the U.S. Supreme Court treated them as a publisher. And then it was U.S. Congress in the Section 230 that said, "No, no, 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 that rule no longer applies." So, in fact, because they censor somebody, like, so they they remove a post, actually does not make them a publisher. It explicitly is now written into the law. So, in order to change that, you would actually have to change Section 230. And this is like, can you imagine, like,、um, like if Donald Trump is threatening, this is exactly what he would be threatening. I'm going to remove your Section 230. You're going to be liable, just like Prodigy was back in the day. And so, AI is making these massive decisions、uh, without really any type of liability for the companies involved. Uh, and you know this is the the funny thing like AI can defeat grandmasters at chess. It can defeat ninth dawn Go players, and it can beat top contestants at Jeopardy. Yet, ask the same AI if a video or a post is appropriate for kids, 
and it's going to struggle. This distinction between mechanical thinking and critical thinking uh, is that machines can work out possibilities extremely quickly, much, much quicker than people. Yet critical thinking, that is like, this seems morally wrong or it, it doesn't make sense. You wouldn't show this to children. Um, remains something that humans still tend to do a lot better. Certainly, at least right now, but potentially even in the future. And I'll explain one of the reasons why that's the case. Um, and it relates to the kind of input uh, that these systems get, right? So they, they can't be as good. They, garbage in, garbage out, right? Like So whatever they take in is whatever they're going to produce. And so the input uh, has a big impact. So uh, <laughs> Alice says, this seems terrible because it has the potential to influence hundreds of thousands of people who use their platforms. Uh, Alice, you're absolutely right. It does uh, seem terrible. Um, and it's, it's not only the potential to influence hundreds of thousands, but it already affects um, millions, if not billions already. Because you just think about it, like so many decisions in our world are all made by AI today. They're, they're all automatic. Um, every every news feed that you watch on any social media platform is all made by AI. Your search results are determined by an artificial intelligence. And everything that you do online, um, you name it, like watching the next YouTube video, the recommended videos is all that's all from AI. Netflix, you know, the way that they determine which new movies are going to appear on on your feed is, again, it, it's AI. These are all like it, it's quite ubiquitous these days. Um, so let's see. Sam asks, so what's the solution to fight big tech? Because uh, this is broken. OK, I love that, Sam. Um, I would agree with you. Uh, it, it definitely seems like a very broken system. And so the the solution, uh, like the way that I position the solution is in three different steps. So the first, you've got to be aware, right? So this is, I call, uh, I have this theme for the channel, which is don't sedate, uh, relate to create. And the reason I say this is because when you are sedated, you don't really understand, like, what are all the things? You just keep watching stuff. You, you watch the next feed, you watch the next video, and you're just like, yeah, I'm, I'm here to just, I'm bored, so I gotta, I gotta watch something. But once you start to understand what's going on, you'll be able to think critically. In fact, you, you'll be able to think so well about these things that you're going to start being able to relate this to other people's interests. Why are they watching this? You'll be able to see the man behind the curtain. You'll be able to see the algorithms of what's going on. This is the goal. We've got to transform the way that we look at things in general. And then once we've done that, we can actually start thinking about creation. And creation is, at its core, disruption disruption of the status quo. So you don't like how the system is currently. That is what creation is. Creation is disrupting the status quo. So you could be disrupting the status quo in your home, right? In your family. You're just like, I'm, you know, for my kids, eh, you know, I don't like how they're, they're spending their time with screens. Great. You want to disrupt that? That's what creation is going to help you do. Maybe you don't like things in your society. You're, you're, you're very upset that like things are a particular way. 
this type of creation, um, it's like you could create a law, for example, and that would change the society that you live in as well. So that's what I want to do is I want to give you the tools so that you're able to make this type of change. I love it. I love the interaction. Really, really appreciate it. it it's what makes a live stream so much fun is that, you know, there, it, it isn't just me saying things. I, I could just record a video and, and share it, but it's having your questions that really make it really interesting and make sure that I'm grounded. You know, is, is this true? Can I back this up? Absolutely. Absolutely. So this legislation that I've been talking about pretty much allows AI to operate without consequence of risk or liability um, for that organization. Although there is some signs that this is starting to change and companies are starting to be a little bit more sensitive to, ooh, I really shouldn't be doing this because if I, like, for example, the, the lockdown um, recently of the riots is a great example of this. They were not legally required. All of these companies, um, YouTube, Twitter, you name it, was not required legally to stop it. But they know, they know that this example, this particular example of you are causing the death of citizens by your misinformation is going to result in a law change, right? Because these lawmakers are like itching. They are itching to change Section 230. They're like, this is ridiculous. How can you guys run with such immunity to any type of liability? This is going to kill. It is killing people, right? They're saying like these types of things are causing genocide in countries. People are organizing them on certain social media platforms because they don't have this type of liability. This is serious stuff. This is people, right? <laughs> Need a better answer because the big tech owns the politicians. Yeah, you know what? It's true. It's true, right? And the way that you need to look at like politics uh, and, and everything is everything is basically systems of control. Um, and a lot of what I'm going to be describing to you is is kind of based on another book. Um, uh, Paolo Freire uh, wrote a book called The Pedagogy of the Oppressed, uh, where he says, basically, like, if you look at what happens in politics, you just look at the very top 0.1%. And what are the things that they really want? And, and then you look at what's happening in politics. It, that's basically what they want. And so the only way that we're going to be able to change this is through creation. Okay. Oh. All right. So let's keep going. Um, the next one that I want to talk to you about is, <laughs> and this has been exciting, you know, uh, but the next one I want to talk to you about is this one. Unconscious input. What do I mean by unconscious input? What, what is the unconscious input that we see today? This is one of the reasons why AI is the way that it is today. Uh, it's because a lot of the decisions that or the information, the data that we put into our social media platforms that we give to these AI is the automatic type decisions that we don't even think about. But for example, do you like if you're scrolling your your feeds, you're watching videos, you don't consciously think about, hmm, how many seconds, how many milliseconds did I watch on that video, right? But your mind, your unconscious mind, 
is doing what? Right? It's it's flipping, 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 saying like boring, 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 and it's going, ooh, that's interesting. You didn't even click a button. You don't need to click a button in order for them to get your data. You just need to watch the video for a certain amount of time. Right? Like on Facebook, as an advertiser, I have the option to just set the amount of time that people have watched. If you've watched five seconds of my video or longer, you're probably interested, right? Because the average scroll time is what? 1.4 seconds? So I know, I know statistically already that I know what you're interested in. You never clicked a button. You just watched your feed. You probably don't consider this kind of information, but it's there. Unconscious, unconscious input. The input that we're giving into systems, it used to be, oh yes, you clicked on, yes, I want to subscribe. Yes, I want to blah, blah, blah. Like, yes, I want to buy now. But that's not enough. It's not enough for most companies these days. And it's one of the reasons why we have what we have today for the internet. So, clicking on a video, right? Liking a post or pressing the buy button, they all require conscious action from us. But companies, they need way more information to get this complete picture of your interests and desires. Um, and it was a Facebook engineer uh, that reported that the average view time for a single post on their feed was around, like I mentioned, 1.4 seconds. Right? Is, does that seem about right? Yes? 1.4 seconds. Boom. Next post. Next post. Next post. That's how fast we go through things. If you watched a post for, say, five to six seconds, then you would be watching four to five times more than average. Now, you might not consider watching a post for a few seconds or even scrolling through a blog article to be an explicit action. But this information is shared with every social media that you use. Right? It doesn't matter if it's Twitter. It doesn't matter if it's Facebook. It doesn't matter what it is. This is the same data that's being used by AI to make decisions about what ads to serve you. I know this is the case because as an advertiser on many platforms, this is one of the key metrics that digital marketers like myself use. We look for how much time you've spent looking at a post. I'll create a little video. Eh, that video could be five minutes long, three minutes long, doesn't matter. I don't care if you watch five minutes. I care if you watch five seconds. <laughs> and you don't even think if you, if that's the case. But I know that subconsciously, this is, this is you. Like you are interested in these things. Your subconscious, at the very least, is interested in these things. So this same data is being used by artificial intelligence to make decisions about what ads to serve you, right? So if I know that you've watched five seconds or, or more, I can serve you the next ad in my sequence. I could have a sequence of five to 10 ads that will kind of warm you up to my company. Uh, and so I can build this sequence fairly easily as a, as a marketer. So social media, uh, it plays this role 
in priming customers to buy products. And I say priming because priming is very important. This notion of I can't just go up to you and say, "Hey, it's like a clipboard, you know, like a person with a clipboard inside inside the mall saying, "Hey, you want to buy this now?" Of course not. And nobody wants to do that. Like I don't even know who you are. Uh but, you know, becoming your friend, becoming familiar, I have to meet you a few times. Well, how do I do that? Well, that's where social media plays a very big role. Uh it's priming its customers to buy products. Gone are the days of banner ads that had these, you know, like the ones with the different shape and style. Maybe they even flashed or something to get your attention,、uh, because our our brain, even our subconscious, is extremely good at ignoring those. So we have to trick it.、Uh, we learn that no, I have to put it directly into the into the feed itself. So most online advertisements use the same format. As regular search results or posts、uh, from your friends, so you you'll scroll down, you scroll down, you see an ad. It'll say maybe sponsored. Like it'll be really subtle. It'll look exactly the same shape. It'll have the same formatting. Same like it looks like a picture. It has some text similar to what you would see on your feed.、Uh, that's done on purpose.、Uh, you know another、uh, and like the key here is another level of this online advertising. Uh, is simply by exploiting how our brains are wired. We tr- tend to trust sources that we have seen over and over and over again, right? Like it's just like a good brand. If I keep seeing the same brand, must be good. I don't, I don't question how good it is, right? Like I don't question, like is this a legit thing? I question if I see something for one time and then they go, hmm, buy this now. But if I've seen it three or four times, it's like okay, it's okay to give me more. So a post that you watched for just a few seconds longer could be followed up with a different post from the same company. So perhaps you'll even see this third post about the same topic before you ever see any call to action. They just provide value, right? Like first one, I just want to let you know a little bit about something, right? That's going to help you. Let me give you another tip as well. Let me give you a third tip. By this time, you've seen a company、uh, that you've never heard of at least three times, reducing any trust barriers that you have to clicking on the link.、Uh, this exact same premise is used、uh, with online influencers. So when you see an online influencer, you implicitly trust their advice because you have seen them many, many times.、Uh, since many influencers make their money through sponsorships, you'll also find the advertisements delivered、uh, through the voice of the influencer、uh, and embedded into their video to be much, much more convincing. Because first of all, I already trust the influencer. I know this person, so this person is introducing me to a new product. I am more likely to buy that product because I trust the influencer. I trust the product. I'm I'm associating those two things together: my trust for the influencer and my trust for the product. So often, the things that they sell become something that we we associate with as well.、Um, and I think that's something that's quite different. Like we used to have.、Um, Advertisements in commercials for for TV shows that was very different 
it was separated, right? It was it was not even necessarily related to the television show, and so as a result, when you saw them, you're like, ah, I could just ignore these. Like, it was fine. Uh, but nowadays, that's much less the case, right? So the the emphasis has been on this unconscious input. So I want to um, recap really quickly. How are we doing? Okay. So a few things from today that are、uh, really important to keep in mind. There are those three main sources. Where did our artificial unconscious come from? The the three places are first public reactions to AI creepiness. We saw what AI did explicitly. We really did not like it. We had very very strong reactions to this, and so AI had no choice but to go underground. Had no choice. If it didn't go underground, then we would have. Written some regulations to prevent that from happening. The second is it had very limited political liability, very limited political、uh, potential liability. What do we mean by、uh, limited potential liability? I talked about how Section 230, like basically, it was determined that Prodigy. Who had done more moderation? Had done more? Hey, this is fake news. You can't post that. They actually lost at the Supreme Court for this additional moderation. And so companies are like, I don't want to do no moderation. It's not my job. And then the law was rewritten.、Uh, this Section 230 safe harbor means that most companies are not liable for the stuff that they post or the stuff that their users post. They are not considered publishers because that is written in the law. So the liability for these companies is, is pretty much gone. What does that mean for AI? It can give you whatever suggestion you want. It wants. It could be wrong. It doesn't matter. It could be fake news. It could be something that you know is hateful to other people.、It、doesn't matter. They're not liable for it legally right now. Now there's obviously a lot of push to change this. And the example that we saw from the riots is a really great example of hmm maybe maybe we do need to to change the law as a result absolutely but right now today 2021 <laughs> it's very little there's very little of that liability yes very little and then. The the very last one is unconscious input. It used to be we'd only look at clicks, likes, shares, like people who click buy,、uh, but that information was it was not very frequent and it wasn't enough for us to get a sense of what caused people to click. And so as a result, we started looking at subtle things like watch time. Uh, we looked at like milliseconds that you spend on posts, and as a result, because most people don't control these types of things consciously,、uh, they don't think about like how long they're scrolling on posts. What we're getting is input that is directly from your subconscious mind. And if you look at some of the the more deeper subconscious desires, which I'm going to dive into、uh, in in a very short period of time. 
a lot of them focus around two things. Sex and aggression. If you look at most of what we have on the internet, why is there so much rage? Why is there so much anger uh, on posts? Why, why is this what we constantly get exposed to? Because anger works. Anger sells. We know, um, and news outlets know, that the more anger that you can put, more controversy that you can put into a post, the more enraged people will feel, the more they are likely to watch for a longer period of time, the more likely they are to react, to write a tweet or write something about it. Uh, anger is is one of the main fuels uh, of the internet. And I will expand a little bit more uh, on sex uh, in in a future episode as well. But both of these, both of these are uh, one of the things, one of the reasons why people are really worried about screen time. Right? Because this anger or wanting to one-up each other uh, leads to uh, what I believe Sue Gardner from the Wikimedia Foundation referred to as progressive extremism. So what it means is you start by watching a you start by watching a post that is uh, maybe about vegetarianism. I just want to learn a little bit. Then it'll progressively get more and more extreme over time. So the next video that's going to recommend for you is probably something about veganism, right? Like, so we're going to go to the next level and then it's going to recommend something about going raw or going even further. And one of the reasons for this is because it draws our attention. It draws our subconscious. Uh, I think Jack Dorsey from Twitter uh, referred to this as, you know, like when you're driving down the road and you see a car accident, like you, 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 you turn, you look. Everybody looks. Well, the Internet it interprets this to mean people like car accidents and they want to see more of them. And this type of subconscious input like this looking is literally what they're doing right now on the fly. Right. These companies like you're not looking at a car accident. You're looking at your feed and it's looking at what you're looking at. It's looking at your eyes. It's looking at like, well, what are you focused on right now? And by doing that, you are saying like, oh, you saw this thing. It was like a car accident. Oh, OK. Whoa, that's pretty scary. Spend a little bit more time scrolling. Oh, maybe I'll read the post. Gotcha. Gotcha. This is what you want, right? This is the thing that's going to cause you to to write a comment, an angry comment about, or it's going to make you react in a particular way. It, it's the Internet that we live in today is very much fueled around this aggression. So it's it's true. It's true. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. Thank you, Alice. <laughs> I want to um, give you a little bit of an update uh, for myself, and maybe I'll, I'll kind of have uh, some some thoughts for for you. So one of the things that I've been uh, thinking about, and one of the the purposes behind uh, a lot of the live streams today, is to I want to get your feedback. Like I want to test things and. 
I, I loved how uh, Sam today you were saying, oh, I don't like, I don't know if I can trust these things. I have doubts. That's great. That's great. I want to know what those doubts are uh, because that helps me. And that helps me with uh, where I want to move next. Which is mainly I want to be focused on writing a book on AI parenting. Um, you know, the parenting in a world of AI. Because I think that this uh, this topic is very interesting. I've been looking for books that specifically cover the topics, but I don't see a lot of people who are are talking about both AI, the technical term, and also unconscious unconsciousness, the unconscious mind, and how those two are are very closely linked together. Uh, which to me is really surprising. Like when I see everything on the internet, it, it all relates to this exact same topic. So. I want to give you some chances to uh, to tell me what you think, uh, but I also want to give you some chances like to to get early access to it. Like I think um, if you've been commenting, or yeah, I've seen that lately for sure. Uh, Alice says, mm. "Yeah, anger." And and oh, I forgot to mention, people are so relieved. They think, "Oh, okay." Like with um, Donald Trump, he's he's gone. Like uh, we're probably Oh, hopefully he'll never come back. But the reality is, like, the Internet is specifically geared towards promoting demagogues. We have a, a demagogue-friendly Internet. We have an Internet that is specifically tailored to look for the greatest amount of anger, to promote that like crazy to everyone. And so we wonder, oh, it was it was such a shock to so many of my colleagues. Like, it's funny, like I was in an academic conference in Niagara Falls uh, on the four years ago, on the evening when it was announced that Donald Trump had won the election. People there in the conference, computer science professors, PhDs in the field, experts for, for years, complete shock. How could this be? This is impossible. How, it doesn't make any sense. They couldn't see it. They couldn't see it. I think even today, you know, with the election results, people still, still, many people, including people in the in the field, they don't see this either. <laughs> right? Like most people that you speak to are completely unaware of really what's happening. Uh, with the internet and with the the data that's coming in to the internet, and I think this is this is very very important for us to talk about. This is our society we're talking about, uh, and these decisions, these automatic decisions, kind of like the like we consider them to be like habits these days. Um, so anything that you do repeatedly, you don't even think about, they become your habits. They become the thing that defines you. They they determine your outcomes. Uh, in the same way, AI is acting like that as well. It's acting like these like invisible habits. It's just feeding you more stuff. Like you, you didn't even think about like this post that was really angry, but trust me, the AI was thinking about it, and it saw and it said, "Hmm, this person, they like anger. Get them more, right? Give them more anger, right? The more anger, the more they're they're going to be on my site." And so, as a result, you'll you'll find that we have an anger friendly. Internet. 
because we know, like the algorithms know that this is what keeps people on for longer. And if you optimize for things like YouTube, optimizes for watch time. Um, so obviously things that cause more anger are going to cause you to watch more. Uh, I am super thrilled that we have people like Mr. Beast and we have others that are doing positive things uh, that are uh, causing a lot of attention as well to kind of fight that that notion that anger is the only thing uh, that drives the internet. But in the end, we are <laughs> we have the the two the two different thinkings. The Daniel Kahneman refers to them as thinking fast and thinking slow. Uh, and our fast brain does a lot of our thinking for what we do on the internet, especially when it comes to to browsing. We make the the fast decisions, not necessarily the ones that we want other people to know about. But the the internet is not a a place of like everything's public and you can see whatever other people do. There's a lot of stuff that you do that is subconscious, that is small little actions, and you don't even think about it, uh, and it it has an impact. So that said. I think that there are there are some really good things uh, that can come from this. That having an awareness is going to give you so much more power, so much more control over everything that happens for you, your family, and that's my goal. <laughs> uh, Alice asks, I wonder how teachers are going to handle students' conversations based on what they have been seeing on social media. You should create something for teachers, Ed. Oh man, Alice, you you've got fantastic ideas. Uh, I really want to like I've been thinking about that as well, and I've, I've I've had some chances to like speak with many teachers, and it's just interesting like how we as um in in the education community we also fall into the same traps as well, right? Like we're you see it on Twitter all the time. It's like oh this is ridiculous, you know, and and. I, they just are not aware as well. So I do agree. Like we need to have a. People refer to it as a digital citizenship、uh, curriculum, which I think is valuable. But I think really it's got to be from the perspective of not just how you behave as an individual, but like what is your understanding of the system? How can you be a good digital citizenship when you don't?、Uh, Did good digital citizen when you don't even understand like some of the basics of what the digital highways look like. What do the digital signposts look like? What are the things that people look for in this digital city? If you're not aware of the signals, the input, the triggers, how can you possibly be prepared for digital citizenship? In fact,、um, <laughs> you know we we had this email incident、uh, recently. Where just emails got sent to everyone in the school, and I'm talking 5,600 students. They, they, somebody added. I think、oh, what was the incident? So somebody like, oh yes, there was a person who added like、um, everybody, the the whole school to like a a website so everybody could access it. But in so doing, it would send an email to everyone, and that email for some reason like it could. If you sent, if you replied all,、um, what it would do is it would send to all five thousand six hundred students, and in it, this is this is the key. You could really see, you could like two hundred and fifty emails or something later.、Um, you see a lot of what angry responses, 
And and my response to this, and I made this as a as a short video. I can share it with you if you'd like. Just let me know in the in the chats. But uh, essentially, this this video said that really there's there's three things. There's three main learnings that I had from this. The first is control your notifications, control your life. Right? If every single email that comes in at like 2:30 in the morning is causing a beep or something to ding on your phone, you have zero control over your life. You're you're going to be distracted, interrupted at all times. And many people did. They're like, I can't go to sleep because I'm receiving emails in the middle of the night. Control your notifications. Control your life. Uh, the second was, are we others focused versus self focused? Right. So we're saying, stop doing this because it hurts me. All right. Or other people are saying, like, look, I can say whatever I want. Right. I'm, I'm, versus, like, hey, this this really hurts other people when I send an email to that many people. Um, we shouldn't be doing that. Oh, cool. I'll share it with you, Alice. No problem. <laughs> I'm glad you would love to see it. Um, th and there was a third one. Right. The third one was. Do we react in anger? Or do we let things pass? Because if you if your instinct is to react in anger for every single post that makes you angry. You are going to be doing a lot of reacting in the future. Because guess what? Our Internet is fueled by anger. It knows that every news outlet is looking for the thing that is going to cause the most anger. And so if you have to react to things that make you angry, you're going to be doing a lot of reacting. You're going to be sending a lot of signals to that computer that anger is what you're all about. It's what you really like. You you may like not associate with that. And obviously they would never profile you like and say like, hey, this is an angry. No, like obviously we have to bury that. We have to put that deep underground, not let anybody know. But they know. They know. I mean, all this data is there and, and the numbers are there. So if it's mostly like you react to the things that cause you to be angry, it'll try to find more more things like that. So you can see like um, you can think of the the. You can think of the, the news feeds and the, the video posts as a algorithm looking for emotional content. They're looking for like, how does it cause people to react? Now, we say we're just following the audience, but we're really following like certain types of emotions that trigger the audience to to react in a particular way. And many of those emotions are related to one of either sex or um, anger. And so those are the, the two that you need to consider. <laughs> and so um, with that, I want to give you guys an opportunity. Um, I want to thank you guys so much for if you guys have other questions as well. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions that you have. Uh, my my goal with this is I want to write a book. I want to write a book about this. I'm working on a book and uh, with it, I have a website. Um, I've started a brand new website for all of this stuff uh, just because I thought it was good to have a, a page where you can learn a little bit more um, about the work that I'm doing and the progress that I'm making. And then that way I can send you like tips like here's the video uh, directly, like any any kind of exclusive stuff that I wouldn't have in, say, the live streams or in any of the original videos, I wanted to be able to give uh, you a little bit more. And so I've set up a website 
And this website is called AI Parenting Lives. Uh, and what it is, is just a really um, simple email list. It doesn't cost you anything. Uh, you can just go and visit the site, AIParenting.live. And uh, it when you go to it, it is really simple. It just has like an icon. It says AI Parenting Live, disrupt the invisible forces that control your family today. And don't sedate, relate to create. Uh, and I, I said, like, you'll get early access to the AI parenting book. Um, and I'm, I'm going to set a deadline for it uh, probably sometime next month. I know it says like 42 days. That's a bit long. I might actually set it for a few weeks uh, from today. And so there'll be a button there that says, like, get early access. So all you need to do in order to get early access to the book, because I want you to have a chance to read it and like to, you know, if you have any feedback or stuff like that, I want I want you to be able to, to access it. All you have to do is click get early access. Uh, I think it's like a first name and an email. And the way I the way I promote it is I want to provide value. Uh, and if I'm not adding good tips that you can use right away in your family, um, I'd encourage you, you can unsubscribe anytime. But I think if you do subscribe, you will get a lot of value. Once again, thank you very much. I appreciate you. And I'm looking forward to adding more in the future and transforming how we talk about screen time. Thanks very much. Take care.